0: One target went to my dad. Your dad decided to get you an early Christmas present, and it was <laughs> it was a
1: pass deflected.
0: It was it was literally removing Van Jefferson from the stat sheet, as if he never existed. He Thanos Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson just like walked right over to Dan Mullen and was like, Coach Mullen, I don't feel so good.
1: Welcome to Chapel Belker, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And here we are, just days, mere days after the Jacksonville Massacre. Not really, I'm not even going to call it that. Um, The the, the wonderful game, the wonderful experience we had in Jacksonville, Florida, playing our dreaded rivals, the Florida Gators. How was your time, Nathan?
0: Very good. Uh, Man, there's a lot. Yeah, why don't you go? Uh, do you want to do the your experience or
1: sure? I'll do I, my experience. I, yeah. Before I even get into my experience, I will say, that, hey, this episode's sponsored again. Can you believe it? That these crazy folks keep paying us money to talk about them
0: uh, for whatever reason. But we still, we sure are happy about that.
1: Yeah, this episode's sponsored by Gomed, the uh our, our only option here at Chapel Bell Curve for on the go urgent care. But you'll hear more about them at halftime.
0: Yep. Yes, you will. But um, uh, yeah, my experience. So what's going on?
1: My experience was fairly typical of this year's football games for me. I watched it over at the uh, the Clark's house once more. Uh, it was a rough time for most of it, I will say. The first quarter felt good, real good first quarter, man. I was I was having a real good time with uh passes deflected, DeAndre Swift looking good, Elijah Holyfield looking good. Everyone just having a real good time. Second quarter, it was a it was a roller coaster for sure. Went down the first hill, uh, didn't know where we'd end up, you know few twists and turns there, going to the halftime thinking, you know what? That's okay. Maybe this roller coaster will get better. Third quarter a little bit. Just a little. It and dropped then four- a little. Yeah, it, it dropped, dropped, just dropped a dropped down a little. Yeah. Just a little bit. And then uh hit that last loop de loop in the fourth quarter and took us home. It was fine. But man was it a it was a wild ride. I got a lot of uh, a lot of opinions and a lot of just uh things to, to feel about this game. It, it uh I will say and we'll, we'll talk about it with stats like the, the biggest thing is is like i came away from it thinking immediately like man we whooped them and then i had to sit there and think about it for a second i was like no we didn't we still beat them regardless of you know uh-huh. some some pretty big issues in our uh-huh. in our gameplay but just not as handily as i would have hoped we still beat a top 10 team and you know what that's pretty cool i like that thing yeah i
0: mean we can go into the numbers as for my experience, um it was uh great had a really good time we drove down there with a couple of other staff members uh separate from the band and we drove back up together and that's always like a fun little road trip experience shout out to ben and amanda who made that pretty awesome we watched a lot of squid billy's videos and a lot good, of fine good. compilations i will poison one of those palm trees that you florida people find so sacred that's what i said and I, <laughs> that's what i said and that's what i shaved in with my son's uh, hair for the church service um <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, it was good. It was a good time. We enjoyed, you know, enjoyed. We went down there a day early and got a little Airbnb and walked around St. Augustine, which is always nice. And then my anger at Florida just overcame like my nerves. And I was just like, okay, let's just beat these guys. And I don't know. I In the moment, I never felt like we were going to lo- uh, lose. I'll be honest. Like uh, this game, as you said, was not as probably dominant as it appeared and probably as some people think it is. But I did think that it was probably somewhere between... There's been two extremes. Like, a lot of Georgia fans, it seems like, are saying, like, well, we, like, blew them out, which we didn't. But then a lot of Florida fans are trying to say, well, the better team didn't win, which is also not true. False. Very false. Yeah. Yeah, so which is also not true. So, I mean, I thought this was a comfortable win, Um Even when you adjust for uh, turnovers, and we're going to get into this, this is still probably an eight or nine point win. So, I mean, I definitely don't think that I thought Florida played impressively, and I thought with what they have, they looked good. But I also thought that, like, acting like that this was some sort of just fluke of a win for us, or like, you know, afterwards, Dan Mullen said, Well, this was just about execution. And, um, you know, we we just left it all out there and didn't really give us any credit. And, you know, first off, sour grapes from Dan, Dan Mullen, whatever. But I just felt like the reaction from Florida fans has been sort of like the rea- all of our reactions to the bad loss or to the p- bad losses under Mark Richt, where it was like, "Well, the better team didn't win, and we'll be back next year, and once we, you know, finally, when we finally beat them, we'll be able to, or when we finally start uh, having elite recruiting, we'll be able to beat them." And it just didn't happen. No. So, and I and I
1: think you know I would argue that maybe if you look at the history of Dan Mullen, that it might not happen in terms of recruiting. Anyway. I will say that this game looked really good for for Dan Mullen still out. I mean, I I think that he could definitely recruit some guys and fire him up based off this game alone.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the in one sense, like that's true, but on the other hand, I feel like he has never shown the ability to recruit at the level that UGA is recruiting at, and oh, I think sure. he can get them close. But like, there, Mike Bianchi, or some, I don't even know his name, some guy from New Orlando was like, "Oh, just enjoy this while it lasts, because once Dan gets his recruits, his, you know, if he can do this with three stars, imagine what he can do with four and five stars." But the thing is, like, he hasn't gotten
1: he hasn't gotten four or five stars at any stop. You know what I mean? So what would what would start him to do that now? Just because he's in Florida
0: yeah I mean, in Florida, he's definitely in a better recruiting class right now, but as of our better recruiting class than in the past, and I, and I'm not disputing that. but if you look at his current twenty four seven composite class, UGA is ranked fourth and um Florida is ranked twenty third with eight four star commitments and seven three star commitments. They have an 89 overall score, or an 89 overall average and a 216 score. Currently, Georgia is ranked fourth with 3-5 stars, 10-4 stars, and 3-3 three three stars, 93 overall rating, 270 score. There's a pretty big gap, and that that class actually puts um, Florida one two, three, four, 12th in the 4 uh, 12th in the SEC, behind Tennessee, South Carolina, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn, LSU, Georgia, uh, Texas AM in Alabama. So the idea that somehow that like Dan Mullen's going to start just pulling in these like six, five star classes, it's just, it's just patently, it's kind of patently ridiculous until we see it personally. I think, uh, I think we're kind of getting far afield from our experiences, but yeah, my experience, You're right. <laughs> my, my experience was pretty good. Um, afterwards, I was pretty angry. Like, not angry. I was just like, man, I hate these guys. I hate these guys so effing much. And I'm so happy that we won because I just hate them so much. Um, I, I did notice a lot of just like really. I mean, there are a lot of trashy Georgia fans, but man, Florida, it's very different. (laughs) It's very different.
1: I liked seeing uh, somewhere in our Twitter feed that somebody said um, parts of your rant are now their ringtone.
0: (laughs) Is that true? Yeah. (laughs) Hold on. Is that actually true? It's really
1: true. Yeah. I don't remember who it was.
0: Did they tag me? I need to find this out. Hold on. No. Stop the episode.
1: Stop everything.
0: If you're listening to this right now and I am your ringtone, first off.
1: What are you doing? <laughs> it was Tra Williams. Hey, at Chapel Belker, first parts of the rant from your last episode are now my ringtone. Loved it. And then he said, Claudius Monsonius's prediction was eerily and unexpectedly close. Could you attempt to validate his method using previous win-losses? Sorry to hand you a math problem. Go dogs. This is the thing, though. Claudius Monsonius did not do a prediction for this game. Unless I missed it. No, he didn't. I looked afterwards, and which leads me to believe maybe, because my prediction was so good and close... This person thinks that I'm Claudius Munsonius. I I am Spartacus. I'm Claudius von Spartacus, but I I don't know um what he was getting at because that's not the case mm-hmm. unless he meant me, which yeah, he, he must mean me because I am a genius. But you did you did very good. Did I did. Good. I did a very good job. I did a very good job being a good, good football boy.
0: Let's actually, man, we're wandering far afield here. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought this is what we would do and it feels good to beat them. And it feels like in some ways that, you know, exper- experientially, you know, this is the kind of win that sort of starts to get towards resetting this series from the spur years and the Meyer years and even the champ years. And, and, you know, watching them, watching them t- make all these excuses just the way we used to make them it's just it's like that was the kind of bad psychology that we had when we were losing three or four in a row i i just feel deeply that like you know that this is not a this is not
1: suddenly next year going to be like a 10 point florida win no it's not going to flip like that it can't we got too much team too much too much good team that's going to come back next year honestly Mm -hmm. too many young players that are staying around and just getting better already in the games we're seeing them so no it's not going to work like that sorry y'all I did just want to mention. I mentioned this a little bit in the last last week's episode. Just talking, not last week's, but technically last week's. The the Florida preview. Just talking about uh, just the culture difference in these two teams, and the reason why I don't like Florida is based off of the fact that uh, it's just a, it's a it's a different kind of culture. It's an ego driven culture, and it's a culture that kind of encourages that kind of behavior from single players without any. It's kind of a hot take culture. Let me put it that way. It's a hot take culture. And players try to inflate their own egos with said hot takes.
0: Did you see the that one of the Florida defensive linemen posted a picture of him strangling or put with his hand around the neck of oh, a yes. Georgia player?
1: It was Cade Mays, actually. And I I did uh, I mentioned that in our notes actually, and stuff like that. It's like f- one f- like first of all, like I, I put down something from the late great Bill Walsh uh, from the san francisco 49ers of course champions behave like champions before they are champions uh also another uh wonderful quote from one of my favorite shows the game of thrones uh i do believe it was Tyrion that says kings don't have to claim to be kings like that's not something you do you don't have to tell anybody you're a king and if you are then you're no king of mine kind of thing i think that's that's very easily applied to this situation and this culture that Teams like Florida and teams like uh, Auburn of the past uh, have really kind of perpetuated It's it like you can't you, you can't fake it till you make it in this kind of game. It doesn't work like that. Well, and that, and that's
0: what we used to
1: do. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah, for sure. And it doesn't work like that. And and I did write down the you know the the eye gouging. Uh, Jake Fromm even said like after that first QB sneak, he was getting his eyes gouged. Uh, and did you so see, the, the, did QB you see the
0: picture of the the Florida player during that QB sneak grabbing uh, Solomon
1: Kendle by the nuts? No, I did not. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And that that's going to happen. That stuff happens, I know. But the that that part isn't as particularly disgusting as the Instagram post that you mentioned, that there was mm-hmm. that defensive mm-hmm. to player. To be proud of it like that. Yeah. To say, I think you said, you grab a dog by the neck and shake him or something, or you grab a dog yeah, and shake yeah. him. And first of all, to be bragging like that after getting beat the way you did by your biggest rival. And two... That's not something you're proud of, and the fact that it remained online long enough for anybody to grab it and post it yeah. anywhere is yeah, it's just absolutely sad. despicable. And and the, sad. And, the,
0: and the fact that, like, you could tell the fact that the players are so excited after this win, which mm-hmm. is a game they probably should have won, and they were expected to win, and there's been a lot of doubt over the last two weeks, so they're probably excited about that. But I also just think the fact that, like, they
1: don't like this team very much. Mm-mm. And the the one last thing I'll talk about uh, regarding culture was uh, I heard another Florida player say, "We just, you know, we're the better team." The better team didn't win today. We just didn't practice that hard this week. And let yeah. me just say, that is the saddest excuse. Yeah, that is a Mark Richt era excuse. We just didn't practice that hard is the least. Like I have no words to describe how pitiful mm-hmm. of an excuse that is. I didn't mm-hmm. practice hard enough, so the other team won. That yeah. sentence alone. That sounds like something you say <laughs> when you get your ass kicked. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Let's let's move on. Let's talk about numbers. I need to stop being emotional. Yeah. Well. Sometimes you get your ass kicked. Sometimes um, you get your ass kicked. I've done it. I've had my ass kicked. Haven't we all, though? I've got my ass yeah. kicked. I know. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm. I'm getting. Okay. I'm good now. I'm good. You want to run us through the five factors box score? Um, yeah. Let's do it. So UGA
0: versus Florida, five factor box score. Georgia thirty-six points. Florida seventeen. Georgia win probability ninety-five point nine. <laughs> I suck it. Georgia drives twelve. Florida eleven. Georgia plays sixty-five. Florida fifty-eight yards 4.429 for Georgia, 275 for Florida. 6.6 6 yards per carry or yards per play for Georgia, 4.74 for Florida. 43% success rate for Georgia, 41 for Florida. 9 scoring opportunities for Georgia, 3 for Florida. 5.67 points per scoring opportunity for Florida, 4.11 for Georgia. Average field position 40.8, uh Florida 24.8, Georgia. Now, our 24.8... Sorry, I got that last one backwards. Average field position, uh, 40.8 for Georgia, 24.8 for Florida. So... I'm not going to go through all the margins, but really, what sticks out to me here is that we had a huge field position advantage in this game, um, in part, in large part, I think, to continued great kicking from Rodrigo, but also the fact that Jake does seemed to be in front of us, kind of growing up a little bit during this game. Had two very good uh, punts. He had a like 59 yarder, and then a pooch punt that went to the one. The other thing I noticed here is scoring opportunities. That's pretty good um, when you're scoring when the scoring opportunity differential is so is that large. Some of that is because of the three turnovers, but. Not that's there's not six turnovers to explain that difference all the way through, and some of that was just really good playing, really good defense. um Any other kind of differences that you see in that, or in the margins that you think
1: are important? Really, just that. I mean, that the the biggest thing is our our offenses were so entirely different for the majority of this game, really. Just the simple, you know, just the the yards that each team attributed to their offense. Georgia's four twenty nine to Florida's two seventy five. I like mm-hmm. that yards per play. That yards per play mm-hmm. was close enough to my bonkers prediction of four and a half yards per carry. But you know what? That yards per play was better than my yards per carry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing, like, I feel that, or not, I feel, what the hell, this is a stats podcast. <laughs> I, I, to me, I kind of read this, uh, looking at this, it's just like, it was a closer game than it should have been, or then it's probably a closer game than it looked like because of the turnover differential. We had a, about uh, 2.19 turnovers of turnover, like that's about 12 points but that's Mm -hmm. still a seven to eight point win somewhere in there um so like the idea that a seven to eight point win wouldn't be considered to be a comfortable win is kind of ridiculous you know what i'm saying like certainly Mm -hmm. we would have sweated out more if it was only seven or eight points but on the other hand like i don't know i mean uga only had 10 raw points off of turnovers this time and UGA played really good defense in the second half and something that they pointed out on podcast ain't played nobody that i thought was interesting was to or not interesting but i thought was pretty telling and true is that after we didn't it that after we didn't score that touchdown when we had seven cracks at it from the one which was embarrassing but neither here nor there after that you know georgia just sort of put the game away we just went and won they the did. game yeah. we had two long touchdown drives and that was the end of the game and so ultimately to me like even though you could do the averages all you want and it's true that we probably got about 12 points we're like really the game comes down to those 14 points and if those 14 points don't happen we don't win the game comfortably or maybe not at all and yeah. so the fact that they did i mean i think that's how you know that we're a better team
1: I definitely think the better team won in this situation, just like you said. I think the defense yeah. very intentionally uh, caused those turnovers. You know, the, the actual fumble recovery is the half-and-half the half situation. We had a better defense today for most of the game. You know, the the real issue comes from going back to those five-factors box score. The scoring opportunities really kind of messed me up the fact that uga had nine scoring opportunities and florida only had three and we came away with the game looking the way it did a 36 17 win you know probably
0: i mean with a more efficient um
1: with a more efficient offense this is probably like not that close of a game no absolutely not and that's where we would have all wanted to be but the fact of the matter is that this was a game against the seventh and ninth ranked best teams in the nation and so the fact that it's a 36 17 win is great were pieces yeah. of it really bad absolutely but that doesn't mean that you have to throw out the good with the bad no but the thing about this game is is that it's very clear to me and i think to most people exactly where our issues lie and that means the work is cut out for us going forward which is fantastic
0: and we can get into that when we get into the Kentucky preview so yeah any let's go over some more stats here so five factors UJ as of this update efficiency success rate they are seventh on offense Marginal efficiency fifth on offense I PPP, 16th Marginal explosiveness, 22nd. Average field position, 58th. That's actually gone up. Uh, Points per scoring opportunity, 43rd. Expected turnover margin, plus 4.5. Actual turnover margin, plus five. So about 0.3 turnover luck points per game. Defensively, we are 64th in efficiency. We are 30th in um, marginal, or 64th in success rate, 30th in marginal efficiency um explosiveness we are sixth marginal explosiveness we are sixth so iso ppp and marginal explosiveness we are both six uh god bless america field <laughs> position we are currently 33rd which is also an improvement from last uh from last week and finishing drives we are 37th points for scoring opportunity that is i think most of these look a little better obviously we had a much better game we didn't ever get our butts kicked but i also think it's it's pretty interesting to look at how this is kind of a settled picture at this point this is not a very efficient defense in terms of defending um success rate However, we've, been, we've done well enough on marginal efficiency in terms of si- uh, situationally holding teams to what we need to that we have kind of actually done the bend, no break thing. You know, it's concerning that maybe we might bend and then break at some point in a big game. But to this point, we kind of, I think, know who this team is. I- I'm happy to see the average field position go up. But that- that's been nice. The There's not been a lot of changes in the personality stats. Havoc rate overall is still 86. DL heavy rate, 123rd. L.B. Havergate 20th. That looks pretty good. D.B. Havergate 72nd. I think, actually, that number is really interesting because that's gone way down. But I think it has to do with the fact that uh, DeAndre Baker just doesn't have passes thrown his way. They threw once. They threw once to his side of the field.
1: Mm -hmm. That's once. A big old one. And it was zero for one for zero yards. (laughs) Often, while watching these games, I actually write down quotes I I hear myself say out loud. The ones Uh that are are me going, oh, I like that I got to say that. And one of those quotes was, I don't think they've targeted DeAndre Baker's wide receiver even once. And then they did. You'll notice that their number one
0: wide receiver, Van Jefferson, on the day. Van Jefferson, like the pride of uh, Georgia who left Georgia to go to Florida. Suck it, Van. Van Jefferson's stats for the day were zero. 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 Nothing. Just straight Just, zero. One, t- one, one target, zero catches. Oof observations wow you got a
1: lot so hit me hit me with yours first you know who just really likes third and grantham besides me and you it's jake Fromm. jake Fromm yeah, jake really Fromm. likes his third and granthams it's more like third and from third and from now he uh all three of Fromm's touchdowns came from third and granthams yeah you know yeah. understanding the defense correctly and then capitalizing on it moving his uh his offense around and making plays making it happen it was and i mean and it was interesting
0: because they weren't like traditional third and grantham so he wasn't scoring on us they actually were like dropping back a bunch of stuff they were really dropping people back into coverage and not like not rushing and not blitzing the way grantham normally does because he's like a habitual rage blitzer but uh-huh. i think also that
1: Fromm just cut him up anyway anyway what we're you gonna say i was just gonna say jeremiah Holloman is a boss but i also think that Jake Fromm made Jeremiah Holloman look very good, putting it exactly yeah, where he pl- needed to. The
0: placement on that second Holloman touchdown was... And Holloman made a great play on a contested catch, but the placement of that ball was flawless. Like, it was
1: going to, at worst, be
0: an incomplete.
1: Oh, I know what you're talking about, that contested catch where he stretches his arm out and grabs it and then goes... No, no,
0: no, no, the, the second touchdown.
1: Yeah, and he, he grabs the ball and goes over the defender's arm. Like, he just guesses yeah, where it's going yeah, to be yeah, and yeah. he just took it away from the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> that was fantastic. So good. <laughs> It's actually um, it was it was really beautiful. I also really loved watching the Isaac Nauda show. I would yeah, watch that. Uh, the, the Isaac Nauta drop and go figure that we can throw to Isaac Nauta. It's crazy, yeah, right? Like four in yeah. a row, and he yeah, was also the 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 most um, he had the most yards in the day of any receiver, and he also just like absolutely was not covered on any of those. No, not a single one. Five for five, yeah. seventy three yards in the day, outstanding. Fourteen. Yeah, and a half I wish yards we could. I, I really wish we would do that more. Me too. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah charlie werner was also he had a great date too uh what do you got observations
0: uh jake marta is going to become a weapon i already said this but i think you know look watching him, him nail that pooch punt and look i mean he's obviously always had talent he's just been shanking and hasn't been aiming well and i'm very proud of him not that he needs my approval uh take crowder <laughs> take crowder good for him good on you take crowder i remember when i was working briefly i worked sort of tangentially with the athletic association and i got a Got a chance to meet Tay Crowder. He's a really, really, really good guy. Really good guy. Like really sweet kid. He's not that much younger than me, so I can't call him a kid. But he's a very, very nice person. And um when he switched positions, it was like, you know, I felt bad for him, but he's like, you know, I'm just trying to get more playing time. I think I can do this. And I was like, Well, have you ever played linebacker before? And he's like, no, nah, I'll figure it out. And now he's a very good linebacker. He had some very good plays. Mm-hmm. Um I think overall we have room to improve in the LB ro- ro- rotation. Patrick and Taylor are liabilities, and other teams know it. And you could see there were a couple of plays. Like one of the sort of base plays in Mullins' offense is that there's an RPO with like a a hitch or a wide receiver screen in the flat. And a lot of like two or three times Nate Judge Patrick broke that play down, read it perfectly, got to the ball carrier and missed him. When we play teams that like to operate in space, which Kentucky is not one of those teams, but when we play teams like that, it's a huge liability. And Kentucky has very, very good skill talent. So it's not like that, even though Kentucky doesn't want to do that necessarily, they can. And so that's not I mean, it's not great, dude. It's not great at all. No. And so him and, and, you know, Jawan Taylor just doesn't diagnose plays correctly a lot of the time, and neither does Patrick, and we've got to get them out of the rotation. Whether that means playing Tyndall more, which I don't think is going to happen because Kirby seems resistant to it as of today, which I'm going to have a rant about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> whether it means playing whether it means playing Tyndall more or it means, you know, putting in more, seeing more Tay Crowder, seeing more Monty Rice, getting Monty Rice healthy, all those things will help, but it's just like, that is the glaring weakness. I even think Jordan Davis really looked pretty good. I thought Malik Herring looked pretty good. And I think when we get David Marshall back that our defensive line efficiency is going to really improve, but we've got to have better run diagnosis from the play, or from the inside linebacker spot.
1: Yeah, our, our, it's, it's true, though. Like, I mean, you're you're 100% correct. That our inside linebackers are, as we said before, and we've said before even this game, that that's just the, the biggest, most glaring weakness we have. So
0: Can I just say, I just saw that picture of the guy choking um, Cade Mays. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'd fight Cade Maze. You don't like, think you'd I, fight
1: I, Cade Maze? Is that what you said?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, no. No, I really wouldn't. Cade Mays is one of those guys. If you look up a picture of Cade Mays, Cade Mays is one of those like good old boys who'd be like at a bar where a fight started and who wouldn't get in the fight. Wouldn't get in the fight and then like, you'd finally, he'd finally decide to get into the fight and then just whip somebody's ass as everybody like, yells world star. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Cade Maze is like 317 pounds and not fat. <laughs> and he doesn't want to fight you, but he'll knock your ass down like you're a pissant truck driver at a truck stop if you don't act right. I just I mean I'm just looking at pictures of him and I just had so many wrestler students that looked like him that like eventually were goaded into a fight and didn't even really fight the person, just sort of threw them onto the ground and stood over them.
1: Mm-hmm. And like I just don't think I'd fight Kid Mays. That's all that's all I want to say. I would not fight Cade Mays. And he, the best part about that is that Cade Maze got up after that. After getting choked on the ground, like he didn't just get choked on the ground. It wasn't like he was on the ground and somebody walked up and choked him. It was he got choked over a guy, like tabletop onto the ground and choked. And then Cade Mays got up, sh- like brushed himself off and went and uh, you know, heard the next play for the next call.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that was really good composure on his yeah. part, especially for a freshman. Getting back to but culture, like, yeah. But if he had like whipped that kid's ass, I would not have been upset. I don't know.
1: I was going to talk more about. Do you want to talk about the the seven plays that were awful? Why don't
0: you why don't you 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 do it?
1: Oh, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of hand these off to you and and get your opinion on on each of these pieces. So I have okay I rewatched them over and over and over again earlier, and this is kind of this is just kind of the breakdown. First and goal, we have a handoff to Holyfield. He's blitzed from the opposite side uh, around by yeah. one of the ends, and he's tackled in the backfield. And Shaka- then
0: he's it's polite. Yeah. yeah,
1: and then he's stuffed, and that's the. That's the play that Cade Mays gets choked on the ground. That's kind of happening off to the left of him, and then two guys come from the open hole that he could have used. Yeah, it was it was back. Uh, it was like backside play pressure. Another first and goal. There were some penalties there. Uh, another first and goal. Holyfield has the same play, same outcome. Like the exact same thing happens, except minus the choking. The choking didn't happen again. Uh, Holyfield comes out second and goal. It's a pitch to Swift, and he tries to run on, run around the left, and it just the the O line just kind of falls apart. They get some push on the left-hand side, and he tries to run up through there, but it just actually ends up giving way he had, to everything on the right-hand side. If he had
0: followed his blockers,
1: um, he probably could have had the touchdown there, but that's neither here nor there. It was a slow pitch is, is yeah, kind of what it, was, it came down it to. it was a little bit slower than it should have been. Um, third and goal, there's a pass to Holloman in the back left of the end zone. Pass is deflected. I think that that ends up getting uh, that pass interference call, and that's why everything starts back over again. <laughs> right. Then we have two QB sneaks. The exact same thing, back-to-back. Back. Uh, and the first one is when Jake Fromm says that he was getting his eyes gouged. The second one, he comes back on and he says he thinks he could have got it, but he felt like he couldn't see well because he was getting his eyes gouged on the first one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, third and goal, another handoff to Holyfield, and he tries to jump over the middle, but Holyfield's not a very tall guy, and you could tell that he got the handoff a little late. He tries to go up the middle and gets a tackle for a loss. Fourth and goal, Rod saves the day.
0: Yeah, both of the quarterback sneaks were not well blocked, and, and no. they managed to get... Under our offensive lineman, I just uh, here's the problem. The problem is there are two things. One, execution was horrible in that series. Mm-hmm. Two, we were putting our kids in bad. We knew they were bringing run blitzes. We didn't do anything about it. If in nope. any of those, we went jumbo tight. We went jumbo tight with um, Jake Long and as a blocker. And Jake Long, or not Jake Long, um, well, Luke Ford and as a blocker. And Luke Ford is an able blocker, but he hasn't had a lot of time uh, to play at all as tight as a tight end mm-hmm. or as the you know, as, a fo- as a fullback, which he is not. You know what I mean? You know, if you run a play action to the flat on a tight end on any one of those plays, it's probably an easy touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just ran a pop play action, not even a play action. Like, if you literally just, like, popped up and threw the tight end into the flat, like, they had so many guys around the, around the line of scrimmage. It's just, like, you have to try something. It, you know, I have this whole big thing about how our, our game plan, but it, it's, like, we Chaney is, like, a dude. He's, like, a boxer with one really good punch. And he doesn't use his counter punch enough, even though he has another very good punch that's not quite that great, you know? And so I'm just like, I, I, I'm I, just, it's beyond me how that like level of incompetence, both on execution and play calling, like, you know, the, how that like happens at a multi-billion dollar, you know, place. And it's yeah. beyond me.
1: It was, it was absolutely miserable. It was abysmal. It was inexcusable. It was sad. If we hadn't won the game, like they kept saying this legendary defense. And if we hadn't won the game, then that would have been like the one thing people would talk about for years to come because that Florida probably would have gone to the SEC championship. Yeah. And that's the piece. I'm glad,
0: I'm glad, I'm glad that we beat them. And that was actually, after that happened, I was so happy that we beat them because I was so fed up at that point with, I was so fed up with the, I was so fed up with the team. I was like, we have to win mm -hmm. because I do, this cannot be the story of the game.
1: Yeah. This drive, yeah, that that would have been no. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> I hate it. Um, mm-hmm. Takeaways. So, big takeaway for me is um, Jake Fromm's up tempo game is mm-hmm. super dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's coming from the fact that the playbook's pretty limited in those situations, or uh, it's because Jake Fromm's playing, he's making or the calls he's just and, good. And he's just not. he's just not. Or Jake Fromm's just good. You know, like those, there's a, a few options there, and I'm not sure which it is. We kept joking about it at, at while we were watching the game. Like, maybe we should just always tell Jake Fromm there's only a minute left in the game. Because <laughs> his two-minute drills are nuts.
0: And Jake Fromm, has, I mean, part of it is what the defense dictates. And I know that. When a, when a team goes into prevent defense, it gets a little easier to, get, to throw it, stuff like that. And Jake Fromm's very good at that. And uh, when you're up-tempo, it's easy to throw to the sidelines. And those are the throws that Jake Fromm is more comfortable with. But I think you're right. I mean, I think he's just... He said that... I mean, that's what he ran at Houston County when he was in high school. And I think that's just what he's comfortable with. And I, I don't understand
1: why we can't just, like, feed him. Yeah, just do... Like, if we're going to do the whole thing where we do what works in... As far as Chaney says, then why don't we do that thing? Because we know it works. <laughs> mm. It seems like Chaney can't seem to guess, like, what is the thing we do that works? I don't ever remember. And that's, that's my hot take. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I mean, I... I Okay, so are, are, I actually this is a really good or a really good segue into what I want to talk about for my takeaways. Are you good? Yeah, go for it. I'm try. I was trying to think about. So I want. To, I have this big thing I want to talk about with our offensive play calling, and why it frustrates me, and like what we can do to improve it. And I don't really know a lot about football. You know, like from a mechanical standpoint. Like I think I understand a lot about football from sort of an abstract, abstract strategic football. Uh, viewpoint and I think I'm a pretty keen observer of just things around me a lot of the time but I do know a lot about teaching and you know most good football coaches and I think Kirby included I think I've seen a quote from him on this from a coaching clinic will tell you that teachers coaches are teachers right first and foremost and um, so I think that even I'm gonna do a lot of hedging here but I will just say that you know, from, from the beginning, this is something I'm very qualified to talk about. I, I, I would not claim to be the best teacher in the world or even in the state, but I am very effective at what I do. I'm very good at it. And I work very hard to say that about myself. I really care about my teaching. I think my teaching is a craft. Um, it's, you know, my life's pursuit and I take it very seriously. And something where we joke about, about coming correct, but I, I don't brook a lot of discussion as to my you know, the veracity of my claims in terms of educational experience and excellence. But that's neither here nor there. But I do think, you know, I, I want to give a little anecdote about my sort of my um, experience as a teacher and improving as a teacher, because I think it, it sort of applies to where we are as UGA. And I think it kind of applies with Kirby Smart and Jim Chaney. And I think if they were to listen to me, this is the advice I would give them. And I, I do want to also give one more preface, which is that uh, obviously Jim Chaney and Kirby Smart are better at doing what they do than I am what, doing what I do. Uh, in the sense that they have a lot more experience than me and are doing it at a higher level, frankly. But I do think that, um, you know, what I want to talk about is self-reflection and that there's no level of excellence that should be immune from self-reflection. So um, let me give you a brief anecdote. So basically, when I started teaching, um, I had a very, very good uh, mentor teacher named Terry Miller. And Terry, one of the things that kind of made me want to stay a teacher was that Terry sort of taught me and showed me that I, you know, my core skill as a teacher was just basically like charisma, and that was what that's what Terry could do, man. Terry, and he's still alive, so he still does this. Terry can just work a room, man. He's like a he's like a stand-up comedian mixed with like a revival tent preacher, and he just like gets in there and like you know you're like you're like I don't really know what's happening, but all of a sudden I know a lot about English. It's all just like smoke and mirrors and 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 just chutzpah and grit. <laughs> and it's it's really awesome. And he Terry's a very good planner and he's very smart, but it's just like. it's sort of like you're you just like smash cut to the end of the lesson you're like oh man how did we get here right and so um i took a lot from that and that was sort of how i taught my first year because it's like you know i there's this one thing i can do at an elite level right and the elite thing i can do as a teacher right now is i can i can just like relate to the kids and get up there and work a room and just use my like body size basically frankly like my physical presence and my charisma to get this done. And, you know, what I noticed after the first year was it was like, well, you know, my my observations aren't really where I want them to be. And I feel like it's kind of effective, but it's not really effective. And I could be doing better. And, you know, I kind of got called out a little bit by, I had a very good teacher friend at the time named Melissa, who is now a very good principal. And she, I don't want to say called out, but she's sort of, she and a couple of other teachers I worked with, sort of pointed out to me like, hey, you know, you just, you got to get your planning right. Your planning is just not very good. You're not, you're not implementing, you don't have a plan for what you're going to do every day. And so you can't just come in and sort of do it off your dome every morning. Um, and, you know, that was something that I had to learn because Terry was doing that when I was a mentor teacher. I just didn't, I didn't see that, you know what I mean? So I didn't know I that it was essential. So I learned that and I got a little better. Uh, and then I moved on and I was at Green County and I really like started to realize myself as like a, a professional and a teacher. It was a really tough situation, but it taught me you know, how to be a professional and how to keep your head down and do your job and how to just focus on making yourself good no matter what else is going around you. Um, And then I came to commerce and I started working with this other guy, Peter, who you know, Mm -hmm. who had been Terry's student teacher and who is now my like work spouse or whatever. That was when my teaching went from, I think, like just kind of, okay to very good and and we're getting to the point here so just give me a second uh this is uh, this is a very convoluted point but it's also a very good point so you just gotta let me build to this what i realized about peter was that peter the, the the core of him the core of him as a human being is excellence that is his keyword that is his token that is his that is his persona on this planet is he does things at an excellent level, at a superlative level. And we we overuse words like awesome and excellent and great all the time. But truly, truly, te- Peter is an elite teacher. Peter can teach as well as anyone I've ever seen. He's so good at it in, in every way. And what I noticed about him, the difference in him, between him and me was not, I don't think, talent. I think we are both talented in different ways and different things, and we both have strengths and weaknesses. But when I first came here, the difference between him and me was just his complete commitment to his craft at every level in a way that I had not even considered that you could be committed to craft. He had a better work ethic than me and that, but that wasn't really what separated us and it is, it was something, but it wasn't really the difference, right? What he had that I didn't, and now I think I have more is that he, he, was not just committed to getting better, he was committed to maximizing the efficiency of how he got better, like second level metacognition. So not just thinking about how do you get better at something, but thinking about what is the most efficient way that I can plan to get better at this thing? Okay, so let's bring this back around to UJ's play calling. I think right now we have uh, we have a second level metacognition problem, and which is to say that we are thinking about, we have, if we're gonna use the school metaphor, which is pretty close, it's barely a metaphor, right? Uh, UGA, we have very good students. We have the best students in the country. We have a great school building. we have a lot of administrative support. We have all the budget we could ever want, right We have an elite culture at our school, a culture of, of excellence. We have we have students that hold themselves to the highest possible standards and we have teachers who are you know world class planners, you know game planners, right We have We have teachers that know how to develop students, how to make students better and how to get students to perform at the highest possible level, right? The problem I think is that our we do not have teachers who are self-reflective about in-class performance because when you're teaching there's there's like different levels of evaluation you have to do. You have to evaluate how you plan, you have to evaluate how you plan for your lesson and then you have to evaluate your lesson and then and this is the key, you have to evaluate your lesson how you did in that lesson and how you changed it as the lesson went on, right? It, you know, teaching is not magical realism. There are there are there are strategies that work and even if you're using them subconsciously, you need to be Cognizant of these strategies as you use them, and I think this is the problem with how we call plays at UGA, and which is to say that uh, we have a core tenet. We have one thing we do very well. We're going to run the ball. We're going to stop the run. And I think that you know, just as in teaching and in, in schools, it's very important to have a culture and have a philosophy as a school. You know, it's something I hold to. You know, I think that students, like one of my core tenets in teaching, is that you know, narrative and literature has has. almost unparalleled potential to change the course of human life and it's one of the things that like sort of gets me up every morning and one of the things i I strive for every day in my class but and here's the issue that's not always really what a kid needs you know what i'm saying and even if that is the the core philosophy that like makes my students perform and and is what makes them learn the way that they are going to learn it's not always what The student needs to get better. And it's not always what my classroom needs to get better. And so in that same way, I think that we are sort of, we're not being self-reflective enough. I don't think that UJ's coaching staff is being self-reflective enough as as a unit about how do they improve their in-game coaching and what is the most efficient way to improve that coaching, right? And I think in pure efficiency, the most efficient way is to simply be less stubborn. And like, I know that this is like a big 10 minute diatribe to get to like a very simple point, but I think it's actually really important. I'm not saying be less stubborn, like, Oh, just do what I want. What I'm saying is don't allow your preconceived philosophy of how things should work affect the way that they do work. And I think that in teaching and in, in, in in outcome based sports, we do a really good job or outcome based anything. Like I think good practitioners of art when it's, when they're outcome based, whether it's sports or teaching or whatever, we do a really good job of, of monitoring our processes but we don't do a very good job of monitoring the process by way by which we construct our process, which is to say that, like, we, I, I think that we have a very strong offensive identity and philosophy, but I don't think that we have a very good philosophy in terms of, like, how do we translate this identity and this philosophy into a game plan uh, that fits together coherently and works off of itself? And, you know, I think, but see, the thing is, like, I think that's fixable. I don't even really think Chaney's a bad offensive coordinator. I just think that, like, you cannot allow the fact that you have the ability to do basically anything to mean that you do functionally nothing. And when you call plays that don't make sense to each other, when you refuse to counterpunch, when you refuse to move away from your first option, when you refuse to make adjustments for what your students can and can't do, ultimately you're not just failing them, you're failing yourself as a practitioner. Right. And that's what that's what actually matters, right? Because students graduate, but like you continue to teach no matter what. So that's what I think about UGA's game offensive game planning.
1: This is my friend Nathan, and he has a very dope brain. Before we go into our prediction reviews and whatnot, let's talk about our halftime, our halftime ad sponsor. Yeah, let's do it. Do you know who it is? It's Gomed. <laughs> it's Gomed. <laughs> it's Gomed. It's Gomdi, Gomedi. Uh, our good friends at Gomed, they are back again and sponsoring this episode because they want you to know about what it is that they do. What is it that they do, Nathan? Do you know? They bring
0: top-of-the-line, world-class medical care to your door.
1: For urgent care
0: needs, right? You know, it used to be that, and we've said this before, that many, 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 a large percentage of doctor's visits uh, all the way through the turn of the 20th century were done at home. And and traditionally, I will say that the doctor-patient, uh, my understanding of the history of medicine, and this is something I've only read through a little bit with my mother, who has a doctorate and is partially in the history of midwifery, you know, one of the big changes in 21st century medicine was that their, their the the corp- uh, corporation basically started mediating the interaction between doctor and patient, and that um, many healthcare professionals think that this is something that has really led to poor patient outcomes uh, across the board. And so that's a that's all a good way of saying is that you know house calls uh, don't have to just be for the rich or for the people that are too sick to get out or for the old, right? They can be for anybody, and you can get a personal connection with a High quality healthcare professional. GoMed is an organization mostly comprised of nerdy UGA alums, just like most of you. Uh, Let's be honest, you're not listening to this if you're not a dork. That believe quality healthcare shouldn't be uh, relegated to just brick and mortar. For most, going to the doctor and hospital isn't just expensive, it's uncomfortable and strange, and truly, very few people like it. GoMed wants to serve you in the place where you are most comfortable your home. Uh, That's pretty novel, right? But they're not really reinventing the wheel here. They're just trying to come to you and give you the best health care that they can. They accept insurance and they have some really (laughs) awesome... I mean, that's an important fact. That is an important fact. They accept your insurance, right? You know, and they follow all the legal obligations that come along with that. And I'm not sure what they are, but I'm sure they do a great job of it. They have locations all over Atlanta. They have a a location in Charleston, uh, one on Daniel Island and one in Mount Pleasant. If you are feeling sick and you... I'm trying to come up with something that rhymes, but... I can't think of anything appropriate.
1: Go Med. (laughs) Do it. Go Med.net. Go check it out. If you do want to know about the insurance stuff that Nathan was kind of talking about, all the intricacies and whatnot, that is all listed on their website. They even have immediately when you hop on there, you can check out. Their website gives you a quick phone number that you can call and talk to a, a very nice person about receiving that good, good GoMed service. You can also schedule a visit through there. Apparently, they have like some social links in here. I wonder what happens if I f- if I follow these social links. GoMed, what you got going on? GoMed, let me see that Instagram, man. Go- do they
0: have an Instagram? They do.
1: They have a, they have an Instagram. They have a Twitter. They have all these things. GoMed, you got to up yo Instagram game
0: we, we we're going to talk about this brett if we meet this weekend barrett. we're going to talk about this Barrett. Get, what's his name Barrett. 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 we're going to talk about this barrett <laughs> barrett i took one of the vowels out of your name and moved it because your instagram game is so bad you don't need it so we'll talk about this you can add the a back when we talk you can buy that vowel back yeah with that yeah. good sponsor money i'm not saying i'm extorting you for the vowel, first vowel in your name but i am saying we should talk about how bad your instagram is apparently <laughs>
1: <laughs> that went off the deep end. Anyway, go check out GOMED. GOMED.net. Bring it back. Talk about some predictions. Talking about predictions, real quick. Going right into the over-under. do it. Do it. Your very first over-under this week was: would there be three UGA sacks? We always said under. We were correct. There was only one UGA sack, unfortunately. Well, well, Lots of pressure, though, in the backfield, I will say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pressure in the second half got a lot
1: better. Yeah, we, we did end up having one, two, three, four, five and a half, almost six havoc plays uh, over the course of the game. So that was pretty good. Felt good. Two of those uh, ended yeah. up in forced fumbles and a pass deflection. Mm-hmm. So, hey, mm-hmm. I like that mm-hmm. thing. Justin Fields, didn't see a lick of Justin Fields, huh? Yeah, not, 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 not a single snap. Nope, no snaps. You guessed 10 snaps. Both of us said over, thinking that this may be uh, the game that we'd see uh, a bit more Justin Fields, you know, whether yeah. that be works into drives for him, rather than just the one on and then seven off. Both said over. Both got that wrong. Felipe Franks, one and a half interceptions. You said under. I said over. He did indeed have two very good interceptions. Thank you, Felipe. Oh, my God. I'm so wrong, actually. He only had one interception.
0: <laughs> no, he had, he had uh, one. We're the worst. We're the uh, worst.
1: I said over. You said under. You get that one right.
0: But you've already downloaded this podcast, so it
1: counts for our statistics, you tools. <laughs> Don't say that uh okay Ha-ha, you'll never get it back that one's lost to the airwaves i'll give you that one my my
0: granddaddy ran moonshine you can't get it for me unless you're a fed not even a fed could get it if i got back to the backwoods <laughs> <laughs> you'll know you'll know where i hid your downloads when you kill me copper all right carry on <laughs>
1: what do those lawrence boys do next how are they gonna oh, get no, out of no, this no, no. one
0: I was going something. I was going for something way more trashy than that. The oh, Dukes yeah. of Hazard are, are are the Dukes of is, Hazard are genuinely just city-fied folk when it comes to my family.
1: Uh, anyway, <laughs> carry on. My first over under was total points scored forty and a half. You said over, I said under. It was well more than that. It was, What 53? 53 points? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good mm-hmm. many points for those uh those football folks down there. Uh, over under Justin Fields seven and a half passes thrown. We both said under. Hey. 'Cause there were none. That's the that's the where you insert that meme with um, Eddie Murphy and he's touching his head and you go, Can't get passes if you don't have any snaps. That's true. That's true. <laughs> over under UF yards per carry, four and a half. I said under hoping that we would hit that like four point four eight. Really coming away from this this over under prediction, I was hoping I should have said right around like four point eight. Uh mm-hmm. four point five mm-hmm. seemed a bit ambitious, but I went for it. You're gonna get away with that mm-hmm. one with the over on four point eight yards yeah, per carry. I am. Yeah,
0: I am. You're welcome. Whatever.
1: The end of the game, SP Plus had Georgia predicted to win six and a half points. Uh, UGA had a 64% chance to win this game. And just like you said earlier, you actually mentioned that you never at any point felt like we were going to lose this game. And I, I can honestly say I didn't really either.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I had a feeling that we could lose the game,
1: but I didn't feel but like I never we would. had the moment of dread. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was like, man, if we don't get this, it seemed like every moment I was about to have the moment of dread, we did something as a response. We had a counter punch. We we had we we might have only had one type of punch, but we punched back just about every time.
1: Yeah. In the second quarter, it almost had like a semblance of spiraling out of control, but then the defense got back yeah. hold of it. Yeah, yeah. And that was good. There was that yeah. Felipe Frank's throw that the flea flicker that he just overthrew his uh, receiver. And I was like, "This mm-hmm. is where it goes south." But then,
0: yeah, he overthrew his receiver, and like as that passes in the air, I was like, "Please, please, karma, please, football gods, don't <laughs> validate this piece of shit, jackass Dan Mullen. <laughs> don't validate his douchebaggery. He thought he was so f-ing clever running that play. And if there was justice in this world, which there's f-ing not, that play that play would have missed. And so I guess the maybe there's more justice for the football gods than there are from the real karma gods anyway carrying on
1: your prediction was uga taking this win 28 20 mine was 31 17 man you kicked my ass i felt good about that that felt good yeah and you even quoted last week you said that'll either be really bad or really good and i finished the episode saying that i did not feel good about it
0: (laughs) well i well i was like that was the one where i was like i'm i like really hope you're right i hope i'm proven to be a dumbass in this Mm -hmm. and i was which that one felt pretty good not having to sweat that one out like I said, if we didn't have the, if we, you know, it, it was very possible that without those, that the the score is much like, much more like what I predict than what you
1: predicted without the turnovers. But thank God for the turnovers. Yep, yeah, those turnovers definitely took us home. Uh, should have had more points, but we've already talked about that. We're not going to get back into it. Mm-hmm. going to get into our favorite, uh, our, our favorite couple little segments here. Our little segments.
0: Yeah, ask CBC. Ask CBC. Some? Yeah, let's do it.
1: Let's do it. Ryan Clark hit us with the very first XCBC this week. He said, do you think we broke the S&P plus number five curse last week or do we get hosed this week because of it? And what he's referring to is we did go into this, as the number 5 S B Plus team. Fate has it that the top 10 of the S B Plus numbers are fairly static with uh, we're still sitting at that number five. So what do you think?
0: I think that that my soulless lich body doesn't believe in curses because this existence this eternal burning flame of hatred that keeps my shambling corpse of a Georgia fan up uh, is its own curse. So no I don't think we're going to have a problem. I, I mean what is dead can never die. You can't curse me. <laughs> you have to use you have to have you have to use Healing spells on me to hurt me. I really, I, I really feel like that. You, uh, if if UGA were a house, we would be the Starks because uh, Ned Stark is basically. Mark Richt, where it's like he wanted to do things the right way instead of the, the the most efficient way, and he died for it. And Kirby Smart is aria because anything can be killed. <laughs> and listen, and listen. Even if Florida had won that game, that would have been fine because the North remember, remembers. And I will pass this down to my children, and my children's children's children raid your children's 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 post-nuclear fallout encampment and smash it to smithereens with their rage and their soulless guttering flames of eyes then you know we'll be even
1: and you know going into the fourth quarter as krypton's playing jake Fromm looks over at coach kirby smart and kirby smart says what do we say to death jake and he says today, <laughs> not, today. Coach. not today
0: not today coach you're goddamn right he said that <laughs> not today Is has a lot of uh, oh, game of thrones talk does this that game. mean does that mean that does that mean that jake Fromm is Arya?
1: i guess yeah he can be Arya. or
0: maybe no maybe jake Fromm. Maybe, see, it's going to depend who wins the quarterback battle next year. Because if Justin Fields wins, then Justin Fields is Arya and Jake Fromm is the um, the waif. I'll give him that. And Justin, Justin Fields, when he wins the quarterback battle, the way he's going to win is by cutting off Jake Fromm's face. Alright, carry and on. And
1: wearing it as his own. <laughs> oh my god. Well, there goes my my dreams tonight. Everything uh yeah. everything I dream about. Steven, last name When your
0: life when your life is a nightmare, you can't have bad dreams.
1: <laughs> carry on. Uh, this next question is actually more of a joke than anything. Have you seen this video? It starts uh, immediately at the, the question, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have. Steven whose last name I can't pronounce. Show Shauduan Shaaldwin Sha Duan Stephen sha- Steven Duan.
0: <laughs> you got it, dude. <laughs> God, you got it.
1: <laughs> Going forward, how big of a problem is it from Jake's downfield blocking? And it's uh it's a He he picked that guy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty hilarious clip. Oh boy. He got a little bit of a block. He didn't get any block. Yeah,
0: he he put a little bit of shoulder in that guy. He slowed him down. That's he didn't put matters.
1: any shoulder into him.
0: Look, he's got that sweet sweet body like a back road, and we want to keep it. We want to keep it safe. It,
1: so the video we're referring to is Holyfield gets the ball. Holyfield tries to run up the middle, bounces off a guy, does a spin move, and tries to run up the left side of the field. And Jake Fromm's left there uh, to try and block for Holyfield as he's running down, ch- like being chased by five Florida defenders. Jake Fromm. Looks as if he just closes his eyes and throws his body at somebody. I'm going to die, okay? <laughs> this is how I die. And totally whipped. So yeah, I-, I think we'll be okay without Jake Fromm getting too much of a blocking game down, personally. SEC offensive player of the week. I think, yeah, I think we'll live. What, uh, these are a couple of my own questions is, uh, what SEC East team are we most afraid of next year? This was a big conversation for us, uh, last weekend, just talking about, like, with the way the SEC East is looking. The SEC West is, is kind of, um, it's like the, dip- like, the empire is kind of dying out and, like, the, you know, the first order is coming about at this point, And so, like, mm-hmm, who is, who mm-hmm. is going to lead the first order, you know, in the, in the coming years? Who, who's going to be our biggest contender, you think? Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida?
0: Huh. I mean, probably Florida. Florida just by default i just think tennessee is
1: way farther away oh I, i'm not guessing tennessee at all i said south carolina i'm sorry tennessee's got a lot of florida time. probably yeah i think florida is definitely gonna uh, definitely gonna develop a lot quicker they're already ahead of the game they're only eight games into this new dynasty so to speak so they're doing okay and i think kentucky this is a this is a flash in the pan this is a benny snell thing <laughs> benny snell and a, a super badass defense Anyway, our very last segment of the night is Dr. James Bearfield Troll Corner presented by Cheerwine the wine that gives you diabetes TM TM TM. These are these were James Bearfield's questions actually previous to the Florida game, but he did not get them in on time and uh, he wanted us to let you know. These are James Mayerfield's questions. Number He started with two for some reason. Number two, why does Nathan hate Tim Tebow? If he just
0: acted like the man that he was and not the man that he pretended to be, I wouldn't have a problem with him. I mean, I believe that he's a good Christian man and I believe that he tries to practice the best of what he preaches. But if he thinks somehow that the his hyper-masculine buffoonery and general just like vapidity is you know congruous with the bible i don't know what he's reading short and sweet i mean and i would say pretty restrained on by my standard
1: you got a lot of tim tebow hate out last week next question is why do you think mona lisa overdrive is better than neuromancer it's not moving on <laughs> uh why is othello better than macbeth it's not <laughs> moving on uh his next question no hold on no, hold on stop, more? stop. no I'm, I'm, I'm angry
0: about this now i want to talk about it look i mean othello in oh, and if I have a if I I, I loathe Faye Faye, you know would I frown? Why would I say that I don't love William Shakespeare? And why would I deny what I've said before? I hate to quote Juliet about William Shakespeare, but um, there is sort of an incongruity in the sense that when he wrote his political tragedy in Macbeth, he had the porter, the the comedy character, said, "Hell hates an equivocator." He was referencing the, um, the priest who took the confession of Guy Fawkes after the gunpowder plot, who had equivocated and said he couldn't say whether or not that Fawkes, maybe he did, maybe did not, admit to doing the gunpowder plot. And uh, he was tortured for it uh, by King James' men. And basically, the Hell Hates an Equivocator line was talking about how like his the, the priest's indecision had damned him to hell. And I mean, if there is a legacy, a negative legacy of Othello... Or of Shakespeare in general, it is that uh, Shakespeare equivocates. Shakespeare refuses to say, refuses to take a stand on the race issue. Right? Is is Othello a a, a man? Out of time, who is constantly fighting against the racism thrown against him? Or is he a flawed hero who is undone by the very savagery of his nature? He, you know, Othello just so consistently refuses to say that it's, I mean, to me, that is like, that is the most condemned, the most damning thing about it. Also, Macbeth is just cooler like Othello is cool and like interesting and has a lot of interesting things to say
1: and can be adapted well but Macbeth
0: has witches dude and like battle scenes like fuck off
1: and then Beowulf is like way cooler than both so there's that listen
0: I gotta tell you like I know where you live and I can break your neck I, not not normally but when it comes to a literature fight like what you just said was like watching my parents was like watching my children getting like you know crushed under a truck I'm just gonna lift them off
1: uh, I will I'm So say- strong right now
0: also, also, Macbeth by far, by far has the best, the best set of um, film translations.
1: What poem would you equate to the UF game and why?
0: I'm going to use a prose poem today that I used last year. I'm going to repeat myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you, uh, it's not a prose poem. It's just the first, I, I think it's poetry. It is just the first few lines of a short story. So give me a second. This is by Harlan Ellison. Hate. Let me tell you how much I've come to hate you since I began to live. There are 387.44 million miles of printed circuits and wafer thin layers that fill my complex if the word hate was engraved on each of the nano of these uh, hundreds of millions of miles, it would not equal one one billionth of the hate I feel for humans at this micro instant for you. Hate. Hate. I
1: thought there was one more hate coming. No, no just, you only need you two. Know, <laughs> that's all you really need. Can you explain the paradox of playing the Jaws theme when your mascot is an alligator?
0: <laughs> Jaws, Jaws is the shark, man. Jaws is a shark. Those are my two favorite. Those are my two favorite like red coat things that I've. I see people the red coats do that they did when I was in red coats too. They're like super innocent. One is they do the little like baby alligator pinching noise or pinching gesture, which is like your thumb and your forefinger. Mm-hmm. Whenever people gator clap at them, which I think is hilarious, and second they say Jaws is a shark jaws is a shark jaws is a shark. <laughs> jaws is a jaw it's really funny
1: whenever how how far off are we from doing the whole uh bringing baby shark to all of this
0: oh god i hope a far way away
1: you know what uh something we found out recently actually because uh ariana's very into baby shark is kirby smart dude 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 oh jesus we're already a meme. Yep, there it is. Why now that I'm a Patreon uh, is what James Fairfield wants to know. James Fairfield is now a patron of uh, our show. Thank you very much, James Fairfield.
0: No, he owns Patreon.
1: Oh, he is a Patreon. I understand the. the I understand what he's trying to say now. He wants us to uh, advertise his his business, frogs for dogs. It's a frog.
0: It's for a dog. <laughs>
1: There, that's that's how much you get for your uh, your ad money there, James. Looking forward to you getting that uh, sweet doctor money so you can really buy the ad space buy some that, ads. that frogs frogs for dogs. James, dude, let me deserves.
0: let me just tell you, James. I if you get your own practice, I will be the first person to advertise it.
1: Oh yeah, and Nathan will go to it. Oh, will I? I mean, sure, yeah, okay. we got to put that out there. You just gotta. All right, we'll speak for outro. Nathan. <laughs> Let's just like. S- Like, secret, that nightmare into existence. (laughs) Outro. (laughs) This has been Chapel Bell Curve. Uh, As always, you can find us anywhere you can find podcasts. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, then just hit us with the hashtag AskCBC, and your questions will be featured on the show just as you saw today from other folks you can also hit us with questions through our email if you want to get us uh, in touch with us there it's chapelbellcurve at gmail.com if you don't have twitter you can get to us on instagram or facebook or you know just google chapel bell curve and you can find a whole plethora of ways to get in touch with us really you can uh, we can show you a world whole world a whole new world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, a dazzling mm -hmm, place mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but hey if you enjoyed today's episode then hey consider giving it a rating or review yes do it because if you do then other people can see it too or uh you know if you don't feel like going out of your way and putting together a rating or review that's fine just tell someone about it tell someone you know that likes numbers or likes math or likes the dogs those are all things that we like and we think that they would like it too yeah we do until next time while we're still in the classic city we're going to catch you in the classic city again as the dogs go off to where are they lexington, lexington. i was about to say louisville i know that's not correct there's only like two places i know of in kentucky uh, until the dogs head off to kentucky we will catch you all in the classic city and until then as always go dog go dog